This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a... I don't even know what the conditions are up here on a Monday because we just got home from the All-American 400, and we're going to talk about it coming up. But first, let's see what else is happening in a Motor City Minute. Alex Bowman used a Denny Hamlin move on Denny Hamlin and won himself a grandfather clock Sunday at Martinsville Speedway. Um, Hamlin, not impressed. Apparently, Bowman is a hack. T-shirts are available. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr., by the way, locked into the final round for the championship fight, which will take place in Phoenix. How about Brandon Overton? $20,000 after winning the National 100 at East Alabama Speedway Sunday night. Seems like when we've said his name, a lot of money has followed this year. Nick Hoffman collected 4,000 big ones after leading all but the first two laps at the World Short Track Championship at the Dirt Track at Charlotte in his UMP Modified Saturday night. And it was announced early last week that Carson Quapple will drive for Junior Motorsports in the late model stock division in 2022. The move comes after Josh Berry, the longtime driver of that car, made the move to Nashville. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. How are you doing after the All-American 400 weekend? <laughs> oh, my friend. Geez. You know, we had to uh, – let's start out. I, I'm not I'm not complaining because I had the best time, even though Mother Nature really waited till Jeez, yesterday to oh work, work things out with us. But, um, you know, if I had one of the – you know those step they, – they track your steps? Yeah. You know? I know I probably would have covered about 12 miles yesterday. <laughs> and let me just tell you, the worst thing after you walk 12 miles is to sit in a car for seven or eight hours the next day. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, if I, Yeah, I struggled uh, to sit down here. Yeah, weather, uh, weather was a factor all weekend. We were able to get it in on Sunday. Uh, we talked, I think, that through track drawing, we probably ran about the uh, All-American 1,000. We put a lot of laps on that track over you, the weekend. You did your first All-American 400. Yeah, in, uh, you're darn in, right in your I did. GMC, right? <laughs> hey, you know what, Rich? A lot of other things happened over the weekend, including big announcement out of the dirt world today. Tell me about it. Yeah, Zach, the World of Outlaws uh, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series announced their 2022 season schedule today, as well as their points per structure and other details. The series will hold over 80 events. I said 80 events. Glad we aren't involved with that. Uh, <laughs> starting February 10th at Volusia and finishing November 5th at the Dirt Track in Charlotte, November 5th, 2022. Drivers will race for $200,000 uh, championship prize and a total 
of a $1 million points fund. Oh my gosh. The world of outlaws will again find themselves outside of Michigan as of now for the 2022 season. Four to-be-announced dates remain on the schedule. The Outlaws will come close to the Mitten State uh, with three dates at Eldora in Rossburg, Ohio on May 6th and 7th, July 13th through the 16th, and September 23rd. The tour will also stop at Attica Raceway Park in Attica, Ohio on Friday, May 20th, and then Tuesday, July 12th for the Brad Doty Classic. Hey, there was some racing going on here close to home over the weekend. Montpelier Motor Speedway in Montpelier, Indiana, had their annual Monster Mash, and weather threatened the entire event all weekend long, but they got it in, and uh, they did a nice job with it as well. A lot of divisions of racing and a lot of race cars showed up, including Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. 20 laps was the distance on Saturday, and it was Dylan Woodling who came from the outside of the front row to pick up the win in his 3W machine. How about Will Bennett from 11th to bring home the runner-up spot? Darren Mallory started fourth, finished third. Weasel Filiot, I believe, uh, started 15th, finished fourth. And Greg Dittman came from the eighth spot to round out the top five. Couple of drivers of note. Check out the rest of this top ten. Corey Bivard, the Butler Motor Speedway track champion, finishes in sixth. Josh Lamal, a regular at Butler, finishes seventh. Mason Bivard, not only a regular at Butler, also a crew member for the uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series driver. You may know his uh, his dad, uh, one Mr. O'Neill, and now you probably know Hudson O'Neill. Mason turns wrenches yep. on that car. Uh, Tyler Roerig. He's getting a liking for those dirt car modifieds. He finishes ninth after coming from 16th, and Jason Jones rounds out the top 10 in modified racing. Uh, what else was going on? How about in late models? You heard me right. Late models at Montpelier Motor Speedway. Tristan Chamberlain leads all the rotation, starts on the pin, brings it home after 25 laps. Victorious on Saturday night. Jerry Bowersock comes from sixth to finish second. Chase Osterhoff starts fifth. He brings it home third. Jeff Robertson from the second position falls to fourth. And Keegan Cox falls one spot. He'll round out the top five after starting in the fourth position for the late models. Now, Sunday, we understand, was a race day as well. But full results not available right now from Montpelier for what happened on Sunday. But what we do know, what we can tell you, is Josh Morton parked his number 20 late model in victory lane for the uh, Dirt Car UMP late models. And it was Will Bennett who picked up the win in night number two of the Monster Mash at Montpelier. So nice job to all those drivers, and I really do think that is going to wrap up the season here for everybody else uh, around the state of Michigan. Well, Zach, you, you'd think so, right? But you never know what M40 might come up with. Yeah, yet, that's right? true. There's no snow <laughs> on the ground yet. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep an eye on M40. That's right. Hey, you and I, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're very busy this weekend, and we got to follow some of our uh, Michigan friends down to Nashville Fairground Speedway. Of course, I've been involved with that place all year, but it was fun to bring you down and, and take part in the All-American 400 weekend. Yeah, you know, I really have to thank the folks um, – Zach, I, I really had a good time. I didn't know the the extent that I that I was going to be working. And then when I got there, I, I was pretty excited. I uh, had the opportunity uh, to work with Adam Mackey, Jim Trado, um, Jana Wimmer down on Pit Road. Uh, great, great, uh, great Speed 51 team. So I, I handled Pit Road at, uh, through the practice session for everything on Sunday. Had some fun down there. So uh, 
that was the first time for me with that group. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime. I, I had a lot of fun and, and, and I think we all did. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about it. Uh, first off, let's talk about the nightcap on Sunday, the All-American 100, the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour versus the Nashville Pro Late Models. 100 laps the distance, we think, with a curfew up against us. Hard curfew, 7 o'clock, City of Nashville Ordinance. Rich, the cars roll off a of pit road at 6.19. Everybody's watching the clock. It's like when weather's in the area. Those guys wasted no time. Yeah, it. I, I saw that. I saw the green flag. I looked at the time on my phone, and I said, no way. No <laughs> way are we going to make this. Um, but, you know, I, they, they, they had a, a nice long green flag run. They, I mean, it's not like it was full of cautions. Uh, Cody Coughlin was able to set the pace for quite a while. And, and I think for a while they wanted to get that race in. So I think, um, you know, some of the guys were being, you know, being a little bit patient, but I think they, they also had to show a sense of urgency. I want to give mad props to the rookie Bryson Schaffer, who led the first several rotations before Coughlin finally got by. Restart on lap 34. Contact Cole Williams to the back of the Jegs machine off of turn number two. That's just the start of it as they race back around. Rich, those two, no love loss. No, it didn't see. And, and I thought my opinion was that when Cole Williams got by Cody Coughlin, he better run for his life because he did not want the nose of that one machine ever getting back to him because you knew what would happen. And uh, the thing about it is that did happen. We get another restart after heavy contact down the back straightaway for one of the drivers results in him plowing into the turn three wall. We'll get another restart. They begin counting caution laps due to the time curfew. So restart lap 29. It's the Jegs machine out in front again. Cody Coughlin takes the lead, but down into turn one. Cole Williams again with the bumper. Sends the Jegs machine up the racetrack. They're door-to-door. Coughlin tries to take the line away. They make contact again down the backstretch. Eventually, into turns three and four. Williams makes the move, gets the one machine loose, takes the lead. And then as we talk, Cody Coughlin returns the favor down the back straightaway. Save of the year by that number 26 machine. I think... I think you and I, Zach, both thought that Cole Williams was then going to end up in the back pit area. Um, it, that that car was turned a lot more than I would feel comfortable with, or most drivers would feel comfortable with trying to get gather it back up uh, when it starts pointing towards the outside wall. Not only did it point toward the outside wall, but it had so much momentum going that way, it wagged the dog back toward the inside wall. He got it straightened back out, drove into turn three, and was able to pull away. Restart once again. Caution comes out. We turn him back loose with 21 laps to go. Coughlin had to go back to the last completed lap. He leads the field back to green. Williams holds strong. Buddy Kofoid makes it three deep going into turn number one. Yeah, Buddy Kofoid, you know, that's unusual. I, I did not know that he started this year and he was running um, pro late models all year. This is not his first event. So, you know, he, he was kind of pulling the Cody Swanson deal. So, um. And because that kind of interests me, Zach. So what I did is Kofoid ended up third at the end of the night. Um, so I went down and I talked to Buddy about his, you know, usually you find him in the USAC midgets, but it was in a pro late model on a pavement track. And I, I had a little discussion with him. The All-American 100 is in the books. And uh, and uh, we are here with Buddy Kofoid. No, we are not at a midget race. We're not on dirt. Buddy, uh, 
you're running some late model stuff now. You bring it home third tonight. Not bad. That's got that's got to feel pretty cool for you. Yeah, no, I mean it feels really good. Um, obviously, you'd love to to win. I like to get a first one on payment sometime, but um, no, I mean this is a. The biggest and the best field I've ran against in my short amount of races I've done this year, and and this is the best car I think I've ever been in. So um, Donnie Wilson and all of his crew bring a, a really good piece, and um, you know I can't thank Bon Suss enough for all the help he's given me from transitioning to dirt to pavement, and um, you know of course Toyota and, and Mobile One for giving me these great opportunities that I wouldn't have without them. So. Um, you know, it's uh, cool to run third at a, at a race like this and qualify good and be fast all day. Um, I wish uh, one of those restarts kept on going because I feel like we had a, a good good speed and a good start, and they were starting to get into each other. I feel like I was close to setting them up, and, you know, I was there. But, I mean, it's it's hard to say, well, what really happened, but I feel like that was the closest I was besides that really good restart I got where I went three wide and on the front stretch. But... Um, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm happy to get another payment race in after probably a couple few months off, um, you know, and to come here and to run third. Um, I wanted that damn guitar, but uh, we'll take a third, and, and I feel like I learned a lot, and at least for me, that's what's pretty important, too. We've talked to Cody Swanson, who who last year went to pro late models and started running, and that's a difficult transition. It's You don't just jump in these big cars and... Uh, and you got to kind of work at it a little bit, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cody's, for mainly running on dirt, Cody is really good on pavement. And, you know, especially in the Silver Crown stuff and, um, you know, really anything. But I think his Silver Crown experience helped him run really well in the in the pro late model stuff. I even got to watch some of his races, and he did good. So, um, you know, I want to hopefully I can keep getting races and keep doing the best I can and, and start running up front and hopefully win one of these things soon and uh, just hopefully keep moving up and someday make it to NASCAR, which has been my lifelong goal. You know, there's a big pro late model race coming up in December. You got that on your schedule down in Pensacola? Uh, it's not on my schedule right now. Um, we'll see what, what Toyota and, and Bond is, thinks is best for me because um, I trust them 100% what, what they think will help me or I'll benefit from. So uh, we'll see. Man, great job, buddy. Nice for third place finish here in Nashville. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, Rich, one of those guys, uh, you know, that <laughs> I'm telling you, he has been so good down at Nashville Fairground Speedway. And this was a weekend. Obviously, it's a weekend circled on a lot of people's calendar, but we're going to talk about why it was circled on his. Tell us who we're talking to to start things off tonight. Yeah, Zach, and we'll, I'll lead you into that. If you're going to pick to win a race in 2021, uh, this is not a bad place to do it at Nashville Fairground Speedway and the All-American 400. Uh, he picked up the win in the pro late model portion yesterday, makes his home in Borden, Indiana. Cole Williams, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. I appreciate you guys having me. Man, um, let's start out. You were awfully patient early in that race. Uh, you know, you had to work by a little bit of traffic to, to get to the front. Kind of talk about that early. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with the invert, they always do the, the CRA invert, so it took us back to about six there at the initial start. And original plan kind of always with the 100 lap race is you don't want to abuse your stuff um, early in the race. But the, the keep in mind, we did have a curfew. I think we, we took green flag with only like 40 minutes left before curfew, which was 7 o'clock. And so we knew we couldn't save as much as we wanted because it's never a guarantee if you're going to get the full 100 in. 
So it was a little bit harder pace than, than I wanted to go early on, but uh, I just knew if we could just keep it under us, I knew we had a, a really good car at the end of the fight for the win. You made a change, and we're going to talk about that coming up a little bit, but this is a, a race car that you've only had a chance to race a couple of times at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, and it had showed good speed the last time you were there, October 9th, but tires put you to the back of that race. How did you feel going into this to this event uh, on, on Sunday after qualifying and practicing that same day? Did you feel like you had a good set and were ready to go? Yeah, I felt like we had a really good car. Um, practice went really well, so that kind of boosted confidence up. And then, of course, we qualified on the pole. Um, so we, we showed that we had the speed to, to get the, the to have a car to win. But we knew that 100 laps, um, especially like you, you mentioned earlier, the, the luck on tires, stuff like that, all they had to come together to, the, to close the deal. So um, we just being patient. Patient was the biggest thing there. Restarts um, were crucial at the end of the race. And we tried to capitalize when we could, and it um, benefited us at the end of the race. Jackson, Tennessee's uh, Bryson Schaffer leads the first couple of laps, as we talk about. And, of course, Cody Coughlin right there. He's tough uh, in a pro late model. doesn't matter where. I think everybody knows that. And he uh, obviously won back there in May at Nashville. You work your way up. You're next in line. You're there. Talk about the pass to get around him. Talk about the restart. I mean, there was a lot there that transpired between you and Cody that I don't think a lot of people expected. Yeah, there's, there's some history between us. I'm, nothing bad. We just always, I know he wants to win as bad as me. Uh, so, I mean, it was just hard, good racing um, on the restarts. We, we gave it everything we could. And you, with Nashville, you, you can't ever get caught slipping there or sleeping on a restart. And so, I mean, you had to be on your on top of your game on every restart, and I tried to, to make every restart count. Uh, he really liked to float it in one and two, so I kept trying to get them off on that crossover. He pinched me off a couple times, and then finally was able to get it done and, and take the lead from it. But, yeah, the restarts definitely were, were crucial in that race, especially at the end. Uh, it seems like we, we never could get another green flag run. It was just caution after caution, so – I knew those restarts were just going to become more and more important as we kept going on. And I want to talk about, too, on one of those restarts, down the back straightaway, uh, you, you get out in front of that one car, and then, you know, those race cars are designed to go left. Yours went right in a hurry. Talk about that save uh, with some contact on the back straightaway there. Uh, was that all instinct? I mean, did you, uh, did you I, I don't know how to say it. Obviously, your eyes probably got wide under the helmet. Oh yeah, those 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 instances that they happen so quick. It, it, it's more of instinct than anything. Um, I, I've watched the video and stuff, and I didn't realize I got that sideways. I'm in the car; it doesn't seem as bad as it it looks on on film. But um, no, it, it, something like that happens so quick. You, it's just a kind of a knee jerk reaction. You just do what you need the car to, to do and try to follow it and correct the mistake. So I knew he was going to try to come back in and push me after the the whole incident, incident that we, where I kind of got under him and um, kind of moved him up a little bit. So I knew there was going to be some retaliation there. Wasn't expecting him to right rear me like that, but um, we was able to keep it straight and pull away. And I knew if we could just hit our marks, he would never get back to us. Cole, I got to ask you, uh, you know, what a difference a year makes. And, and maybe this was in your mindset, uh, you know, as this race was winding down last year, no problem with wins. You go in the last night tied for the championship uh, with Dylan Fetcho. So you had a lot to battle for then this year going into going into last night. Not so much. Uh, was that your motivation? 
Yeah, I, I kept telling people, knowing that I was out of the championship, we're there to win. Um, that was one thing I felt like I've came so close this year, a couple times at the beginning of the year, and then we kind of struggled just with our handling stuff midseason. Um, that I, I, we haven't got a win yet, and I usually find myself in victory lane just with a good car, good team around me. Um, sometimes throughout the season, and we've just not found that this year, and kind of doubted myself a little bit. And really, you always, I guess, that's the first thing you kind of do as a driver is you doubt yourself. Can you are you able to still do it and, and whatnot? So um, to be able to win, of course, I told Zach earlier in the, the weekend that I've never won the All American 400 weekend, um, whether. It was just coming up short or something silly happened just like last year. We just we had a tire goop up on us, and we kind of came up short on that. Um, we've just never been able to close the deal. Um, so it just made it a little bit more special to be able to do it on All-American Weekend and kind of mark that off the bucket list as a weekend that we've always wanted to win. But there's still one race, that, the Super Late Mall race, that's still one to, to try to go after eventually. Talk about the Rackley War team that you teamed up with late in the season. How key was that? And 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 what Willie Allen's done for you to help you get to the point you did last night? Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that team's they're, they're as professional as they look, um, especially with the truck team. They got the late models, and they're working really closely with GMS Racing this year. So, I mean, they got they got the resources there. Of course, Willie with all the experience that he has, and Curtis with all the business experience. That it's a great team. Um, they have a great group of guys that's that that helps them, that supports them. Um, each race race weekend ain't in the shop. Um, so I know we're going each weekend with great cars um, and great um, information to kind of help me. Um, I kind of went into this deal a little open-minded. Uh, Willie at them, it's, it's a development deal. Um, most of the time they're getting new drivers in. And I, I told Willie going into this, I said, treat me as like a, you're almost like I'm a new driver. Um, I want to be able to learn your ways and, and kind of improve myself a little bit throughout the, this whole deal with each other. And it's really helped. Um, I've changed a, a little bit of my driving style, how I drive. I mean, the, the information that they're giving me is is just so much, and it, it helps a ton. Um, so it's there's nothing that's that's negative about this deal. I mean, it's just it's benefited me more and more the the more we get on that racetrack. And of course, they got fast race cars, so that always kind of. That boosts your confidence knowing you're going with great equipment. Now, I read the Speed 51 article, and I know you don't get into, you know, bad mouth and drivers and this and that and the other thing, but I do want to talk about the fact, you know, Cody said, Cody Coughlin in his post-race interview, obviously upset, finished second, had a lot of, you know, uh, emotions, but he said, you know, Cole couldn't win, so he went out and, and got another ride. And I think to myself, well, that's kind of the idea. If I if something's not working right and I can't find victory lane, I'm going to do everything I can to find it. What was the turning point? What was the mark in, in your season where you said, you know, our stuff just isn't getting it done right now. What what else is out there? Yeah, we, we sat down about mid-season when we was kind of at a real major struggling point. Uh, we were still getting top 10 finishes, um, but for us, our expectations, of course, we go to the racetrack to win. And that's that's what we're trying to do. And with my dad working full time, I'm working full time, and a lot of my crew members that come out and help us, um, we don't have anybody that would pay to do this. It's all volunteer work. Um, so we only keep up to the cars at what we want them to be, and to be able to to maintain setups and stuff like that just wasn't there anymore as much as we would like um, in past seasons. And I think that was kind of showing on the racetrack. And Willie, we've kind of worked with them real close this year with the War Shocks. And we just always had that relationship, friendship, and whatnot. And we kind of came together. It was like, let's see if we can make this deal happen. 
Um, of course, they do it for for a living. That's what they do. They work on these cars. They they learn and make these things faster. Um, so we let them do that, and I focus on my driving and come to the shop when I can to come help. And it just it's worked out that way um, with their cars and their their experience. I th- I feel like that's the the path that it's it's just, it's working the best that way with them. Now, obviously, it worked out well. Uh, you find All American Four Hundred Victory Lane for the first time in your career uh, with the the One Hundred. Now you guys are going to go in December for the Snowflake One Hundred, and after that. Uh, you know what is there still going to be something there are you going to come back with war in in 2022 are those details set yet tell me a little bit uh i think it all just depends on sponsorship um right now of course we're still in the works of what what's coming on board next year um of course i want to keep racing for them i don't know what that's going to be with i know we're getting a car um ready to go for next year but it's going to be tied in with war um rackley war in some way um, of course, those details are going to worked out later on. So that's something that kind of that's going to come in the near future, and we'll see what happens. But right now, the main focus, of course, you mentioned the snowflake. Um, that's 100 laps. I've only ran it one other time, which we ended up not having the greatest luck. We finished, I think, 13th, but we got caught up in a, a wreck early and kind of struggled all week on uh, adjustments and stuff like that. So um, coming with them, they got a lot of experience here, a lot of laps as well, just like they do at Nashville. Um, we're going to go test. So we'll have we'll be plenty prepared for the weekend. So uh, definitely brings in confidence after winning this weekend. So we got momentum going into it, and it's a, a great weekend, a lot of cars. So it'll be great competition. Cole, you got to tell me about this. I was at Toledo Speedway this year, and there was a car uh, at the Arkham Menard Series event that did not have a driver. And I said, "Well, who's driving it?" And they said, um, "Oh, Cole Williams is on the way." Um, talk, talk to me about that. And because I know for a fact that was last minute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually was working that day. Um, how they do the rotations. Cause I actually work uh, for state farm and insurance. And, um, I was working that day that Saturday, just how we do our rotations. That was the Saturday I was working and I was just about to close up. It was about, I guess it was about 1145 and was closing the door at 12. And I get a phone call from an unfamiliar number. Never talked the to this person before and it ended up being mark rett and um i was like well, this is this is an interesting phone call and he called me go hey bud what are you doing i was like oh i'm working right now and he goes well we don't have a driver right now he ended up not showing up we don't know details of what's going on but um we like you if you can get here in time try to make it for practice and run the orca car for us i was like well of course being me being a driver i'm like shoot yeah not knowing the, <laughs> how long a drive it is. It's a four and a half hour drive for me to get there and practice starts in four hours. Oh man. So yeah. So I bolted, we ended up, I closed the door like two minutes early and bolted out grass, called my fiance, told her, get my stuff ready. I'm picking you up. We're, we're taking off the, the Toledo. So we ended up making it with like, I think it was five minutes left of practice. I jumped oh, in the car, word. made two laps. And then that, that was all I had two laps and qualifying and, it, and we were go. So, and then, and then um, what you, you finished sixth or seventh. I mean, you had a nice run that had to be so difficult for you. Oh, for sure. I, the last time I was in Arca car was about six years ago, which it was only two starts and we had parts failures for both those races, but they were always good runs um, leading up to that. Um, but the technology and stuff with racing, it changes so much each year. And so the cars they drove completely different from when I, I ran, ran them about six years ago. And just trying to adjust and get comfortable with everything. New team, new, haven't been in this car. It's just, it was all I have to adjust to. So 
that's what I used those 200 laps for. And by the end of it, we was pretty comfortable. And I felt like we, honestly, if we would have started where we ended the weekend, I think we would have had a shot at least a top three. I don't think anybody had anything for Gibbs that weekend. You're a multi-time track champion at Nashville. And one of the things that I've always wondered, and I'm not sure we've ever talked about it either, is how does a Bolden, Indiana driver find a home at Nashville Fairground Speedway in Tennessee uh, just, what, three and a half hours or so from, from Indiana, from the state line there. How did you end up down there racing for championships? Yeah, so my family's always raced local short track cars. Uh, Wilbur Motor Speedway was open for, for uh, forever, actually, when I was a little kid. So I, I barely remember. I always tell people I remember playing in, like, the playground and stuff like that. But we had a few asphalt tracks that was open here that had late mall racing stuff. So my family's always done that. Uh, I'm actually a fifth generation racer for our family. So it's been in the family blood for a while. Um, so asphalt racing, late mall racing has always been our family's thing. And to be able to do it at the at the level that we want to do it at, Nashville is probably the highest level that you could do it at a local, um, a local experience, I guess you could say, is local funding almost. Um, you could run, I mean, the level of competition at Nashville is just so high um, compared to most honestly most touring divisions I, I i might be it might be a biased thing to say but i i feel like the top 10 top 15 cars are going to be toughest no matter where they go and they compete for a win um so that we felt like that was the place to go if we wanted to, to at least try to get my name out there um to try to, to help our program try to reach sponsorship that was just kind of the the place that made sense to us um so nashville of course, to my family back in the day, that's where Daryl Walter for everyone ran. So that was like the place that everyone tried to go. That was like their goals as a short track racer to go and race at Nashville. So um, that's kind of how I, I ended up down there. And we've been down there um, for what now, six, seven years now. So it's it's like home to me. Cole, you, like you said, you had a you know cup of coffee with, with the Menard Series. And, and you've run about every major super late model series you know in the area in the region um do you have a preference what what you like the most i mean do you like the supers do you like the pros and 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 where do you want this to go i'm assuming up right <laughs> yeah i mean the goal is always to go up um of course funding's the the biggest thing whenever you're trying to make that next step um late models the arca and truck i mean both of them even there's a price difference there, but it's a huge jump in, in funding than from a late model. Um, so it's always trying to find that funding. I have great sponsors that, that's got me um, where I'm at in the late model world, and I, I can't thank them enough for everything they've done for me. Um, but then to answer your other question, oh, what what car I probably like the most? Honestly, I don't know if I have a true preference. Um, anything with the steering wheel and four wheels and um that's a competitive field anything that's competitive and i can go out and, and compete for a win that's that's probably my favorite thing i'm just a diehard racer kind of always told people i was wanting to be a race car driver out of the womb so um it's just kind of in the blood and i'm just passionate for it you know we had to do some research earlier this year for a race that we had at nashville and i found out that uh, the heiser name is part of the cole williams family somehow so i always have to root for the for cole in the back of my head because somehow i think there's some relation there maybe way down the line and cole uh, was happy to cole, see you, you better hope not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cole we were we were happy to see you go to victory lane on sunday man that was really cool i know you'd been really looking forward to that so congratulations nice work and uh, we'll say good luck to you at the snowflake 
I appreciate it. Hopefully we see you guys down there. Sounds good, man. That's Cole Williams, winner of the All-American 100 on Sunday at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Obviously, super late models were the part of uh, the All-American 400 that everybody's keeping an eye on. It's 300 laps the distance. Rich France, Matt Craig, sets fast time early in the day. He brings the field to green for 300 laps. Yeah, you know, I, I to be honest with you, it, in a pro late model race, I, I would not be surprised Matt Craig on the pole. But that was, boy, he turned a good lap. That kind of surprised me. And then, you know, he was really patient all day. Um, you know, he he is getting really really smart he knows that uh you know that money doesn't pay until lap 300 and and he just hung around in that top five let a little bit but wasn't really concerned about it uh if anybody wanted to go they could go and and at the beginning chandler smith took off and was really really a wicked pace yeah so it's going to be craig who leads the first eight rotations then on lap nine the 26 s machine who we saw dominate at winchester takes the point of the field Rich, he did not look back for almost 150 laps. He led that race until lap 146 when uh, we got a caution. He goes down pit road, and it's none other than our buddy Kyle Crump who stays out on a little bit of a different strategy. Yeah, you know, and that was that, that almost I thought it was going to work out for Kyle Crump because he, even on the older tires, he stayed in the top five, and he, and he, did, not, he did not drop a lot. Now... You know, as we'll discuss, he had a little bit of a problem later. But uh, I thought Kyle Crump, being out there on old tires when everybody else, uh, you know, had some fresh ones, I thought he did a great job. Turning point in the race comes just after the halfway mark. Kyle Crump, he loses the lead back to uh, Chandler Smith. Chandler leads until lap 179. Then on lap 180, the 2021 Winchester 400 champion sets sail with his Donnie Wilson Racing Motorsports uh, machine, goes to the front of the field, Rich, and I thought, it's over. Yeah, I, I was going to watch. I could not believe that Sammy Smith came from that far back, um, you know, used a little bit of pitch strategy. Uh, I think he was a little bit off off schedule than, than some other people, but, you know, his kind of poor qualifying effort put him back rather deep in the field, and he wasn't back there alone. Steven Nassie was back there with him. He had a lot of company uh, back there deep, but they had to try something, and Sammy Smith got out front, and when he did, he looked good. Let's talk about the way he and Chandler raced down the back straightaway as well with just over 50 laps to go. You would not have believed that those two drivers were teammates, rubbing, bumping, sliding sideways. That's where we saw Chandler go back out front, and then we saw the strategy change, and Sammy started to slide back through the field. Yeah, Sammy had started sliding back, but I think some of that was Chandler Smith wanted to prove that, um, you know, what happened at Winchester was just a, an anomaly. That wasn't going to happen again. He wasn't going to let two crown jewels in a row get away from him. And he looked and he looked almost, um, oh, determined, let's say, uh, that he wanted to dominate this event. And that would be the way it would go until lap 278 when suddenly coming off of turn number four, the 26S machine slows. By the time they get to the start-finish line, Derek Griffith had taken the lead and eventually the 26 car comes to a stop in the middle of turns one and two. Heartbreak again. I don't know what go, some Somebody's got to look at that race car, Zach, on that, on that race team. That two races in a row, the exact same thing happened. Uh, I'm going to ask Matt Craig about this later when we talk to him because I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I've never heard of that. I don't know the technology that they're running, but there's something going on. I'm betting it's not two different issues. 
seeing it happen two race events in a row. So Derek Griffith takes the lead. We're all kind of like, whoa, where'd the California kid come from? Now he's out in front only for five laps, though, because then... Here comes the pole sitter. Here comes Mr. Green Jacket, Masters of the Pros 150 winner last year, Matt Craig, out in front on lap 286. It was far from over, though, Rich. Yeah, it, you know, when Matt Craig, uh, I thought that that was going to be it. I, I thought these guys wanted they wanted to get this race in, and I was watching the clock, and it, we looked up. It hit 7 o'clock, and that race wasn't over yet, and there was a whole lot more going on after the deadline <laughs> yeah so we get uh we get back to green flag racing jackson boone in the seven machine a former champion of nashville fairground speedway sets the line starts to reel is gaining about a tenth of a second a lap and then he mellows out with about a four tenths of a second gap unable to close in matt craig crosses the line becomes an all-american 400 champion yeah you know Derek griffith spent some time out there but you know he couldn't uh Derek couldn't hold on to it either. He he ended up finishing third. Jackson Boone just had a late run, like you said. And um, you know, he got by Griffith. And I just thought, I just thought if there were 10 more laps in this race, I, I thought Matt Craig was gonna see Jackson Boone and then it might have been interesting. Never got to that. But Zach, I did uh get with your third place finisher, Derek Griffith, because he was all involved in everything that was going on up front, and this is what he had to say. Man, what a night for you. Let's start out at the beginning. You had to come down pit road because you had a handful of a race car. I bet you never thought you'd be talking to me right now. No, we didn't. Uh, we struggled a lot. You know, I got two lucky dogs today and uh, came down pit road probably six, seven times. So um, I got to thank my guys. They worked their butts off. We, we started off the race and we had uh, way over an inch too much stagger. Um, and with these spools, you're just out there holding on at that point. So we didn't want to kind of, you know, uh, blow our tire selection here early we wanted to save it the best we could and try to you know just dig and stay on the lead lap the best we could and you know we got the lucky dog a couple times there pitted and all came together there at the end we got our, our right sides on when we needed to made the right right adjustments and it fired off like a rocket just not quite as good as the other guys but I, you know i led a couple laps i can't complain was it a matter of timing when you took the tires and they were still on old tires that allowed to make allowed you to make up so much ground yeah, for sure. That definitely helped. And with the stagger being so far off, I mean, we had to run so much time on those tires uh, that by the time that we got those left sides on, because you're only allowed to change two at a time, but by the time we got those left sides on, that the rights were already worn right off. So um, I just struggled. And, we, and then finally we threw the rights on, and it fired off right as exactly as I needed it. So it just timing was perfect. Everything went great. All-American 400, you still have a smile on your face with a third-place finish. Pretty happy about it? Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll be back. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Rich, as we know, two people were crowned All-American champions, technically, yesterday. Uh, but the the real, if you will, All-American champion, you got to win the super portion of it to be the All-American 400 champion. And we've got him now. Let us know who we're talking to. Yeah, Zach, we had this gentleman on after his Master of the Pros 150 win at Nashville Fairground Speedway, where he picked up a green jacket. Uh, yesterday, a fast qualifier and brings it home first in the All-American 400 for the super late models, uh, makes his home in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Matt Craig, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, uh, man. Thank y'all for having me. Man, first of all, um, you I don't know if you were taking your time or you were very patient, but you you really did kind of hang out in that top five for most of that 300 laps. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, 
the way the tire strategy was going this weekend, you know, we only had um, six tires in the pit, so you can only change two at a time. So that really kind of dictated how the race was gonna was gonna play out with uh, everybody kind of having to pretty much go 200 laps on the left side. So everybody at the beginning kind of knew you had to save those left side tires, and you know, I didn't want to lose too much track position, but if anybody was really, really pushing the issue early on, you know, I kind of let them go and fell in line and, and, and rode. But our car was really good on the long run. So we were able to keep our track position pretty much the whole race. Yeah, it seemed like, like I said, hung, hang out in the top five. Ch- uh, Chandler Smith, um, he wanted to run a really fast pace at the beginning. And, and then, you know, a little past halfway, Sammy Smith wanted to, you know, he wanted to get out there and run a little bit. Um, was that still early and was that still your plan to just kind of hang there at that point? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Chandler and Sammy were both a little quicker uh, than us. You know, I was able to uh, run down and pass Chandler around the 260 lap mark, I think. And uh, I was able to get by him, but Sammy was really gone. But he, Sammy ended up on a bit of a different tire strategy. They kind of rolled the dice, I think, to uh, to be able to get that track position. So they put uh, tires on earlier than anybody else or most everybody else. You know, one of the things as we talk about tires that I seem to notice was that race felt very edgy the whole time. It, it just felt like, you know, there weren't a lot of it, there weren't a lot of problems, if you will, but it felt like there could be at any minute. Did it feel that way to you in the car that, I mean, one wrong move and, and we're going to have an issue here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was, there was, you know, when we got into lap traffic, a ton of cars were really struggling with handling. And uh, I think we learned something in the past couple of weeks racing on these a little bit different tire. I'm not sure what Hoosier has going on, you know, but I think we kind of found something and we were, you know, I feel like us and the two Donnie Wilson cars were kind of on a different level than the rest of the field were. They were just a little bit better than us, but um, yeah, it was, they, their uh, tires were something different for sure. But I'm l- glad that we, you know, hit it pretty spot on. Just not quite as good as they did, but um, a lot of cars struggled really bad. It was like a really free condition for most of everyone. Winning the pole for the All American 400, you know, is is important. I think a lot of people obviously want to do that. But when you're talking about 300 laps around Nashville, do you get too excited when you set fast time or or do you do you know that there's still a lot of work to be done or or is it still really important to start up front um you definitely want to start up front just to kind of stay out of all that all the mess you know you can get back there in the middle of the pack and you know that's where you see most of the wrecks happen so you definitely don't want to be back there but sometimes i was actually a little worried when we got the pole because you know usually a you know, a car that's super fast for one lap usually isn't going to be a good long run car. But it turned out this uh, yesterday that you know we were had a really good qualifying speed and we didn't have that bad of a race speed either. Talk to me about talk to me about these long races. You picked up a big win uh, at Hickory, I believe, this year, and then we know. I thought last year. I thought last year down at the Snowball Derby that was your race to win. To be honest with you, you you had a real good car. And then, and then yesterday, you like these long races? Yeah, um, we definitely, I definitely like the long races. You know, it uh, 
you know, it makes you kind of strategize a little bit more and, and think about, you know, how you're going to run the race and, you know, you got to know where you're at, where your tires are at. And I really liked all that strategy that goes into it. You know, it makes you really think about it. You know, the 100 lap feature, you know, you got four tires, that's it. And you just kind of save a little bit and then go hard. But uh, there's lots of strategy and, and mind games and, you know, things like that that go into these longer races. And uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, we've done pretty pretty well at some of the longer races. And, you know, yesterday we finally got us a, a big one. Now, I, you know, I, I remember, you know, watching you win all kind of races in, in, in the pro late models. How does it feel? Uh, I mean, I know a lot of guys bring two cars uh, to a racetrack, and it's really hard to – keep them both uh stay on top of both of them um you plan on doing a little more super late model racing with the success yeah um yeah we definitely like we like running both pro and super but right now it's just so hard to find you know good we have a really good crew um but we need a couple more good guys on the crew to be able to run both on the same day but uh yeah, we like, we, uh, you know, when we're not racing the Super, we try to race the Pro and, you know, vice versa. And we, we like racing, obviously. <laughs> so we, uh, we just, we run whatever we want to. And if there's a good Pro race to go to, we'll go to it. If there's a good Super race to run, we'll go that way. Let's talk about the race a little bit more. Uh, we get a caution at lap 268. Everybody and their brother comes down pit road. You know, everybody's thinking it's likely the last chance to hit pit road and then things really start to mix up we see uh you know cody coughlin leads for you know a couple of laps with the caution laps he gets freight trained at the start big moment there as well with him kicking sideways in front of the field then chandler smith is back out front and you kind of wonder as a fan okay he's going to run away with it again then Derek griffin uh comes out of nowhere griffith and takes the lead and then here comes matt craig all of a sudden as well you take the lead officially on lap 286 but you're not done either because here comes Jackson Boone. Take me through that final cycle there with a lot of lead changes and pressure coming your way. Yeah, that was crazy, pretty craziness. I, I almost need to see a replay to really, you know, be able to tell the whole story. But from my point of view, you know, we all put our, our last set of right side tires on just a little bit before that. And then um, – I think we, we put our right side tires on and the one of Coughlin stayed out on old tires. So he was going to be pretty much a, a sitting duck. And then uh, we had the restart and it got really crazy. Uh, Coughlin spun the tires really bad. I had to drop low and try to avoid him. And then You almost went in three was, wide into one too, if I remember right. Yeah, we were three wide with uh, me. I was in the middle of Chandler and uh, Carson Qualford. And then we uh, thankfully made it out of that turn, and I got three of Chandler and Quaffle, or I think it was Chandler. I can't remember, but it got free, um, got free of them. And I think another caution came out within the next lap. Yeah, that's when Chandler. Uh, that's when Chandler lost power going down the front stretch. Yep, yep. And then I lined up second beside Griffith, and uh, you know we had a little battle there for a couple laps. Um, I finally got clear of him on the outside, and then, um, you know, I got I started running. I tried to get my marks as best I could and run the best lap time I could, 
And then, um, you know, they started telling me, a spotter was telling me the seven's kind of running about better a lap. And he was shaving off some of my lead. And, you know, I was pushing as hard as I could. And, and uh, you know, the nerves were definitely rolling pretty pretty hard. And uh, we had just enough speed to stay out in front of him and get the checkered. Matt, Matt I want to ask you a question just because I honestly don't know. I mean, I mean, I've, I had driven a race car for years, but not with this technology. Um you know, Chandler Smith had that same problem at the Winchester 400, and that car just shut off, and he was putting a whooping on him. Um, what in that car, is it the ignition, something in the power system that that causes that? You would know more than I would. I'm just curious. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of the talk of the talk of the week, I guess, is what, what are they doing to have this problem? Because, you know, we all know how to keep cars together by now, you know, there, most of the field, you know, didn't have a mechanical failure. So we're not, nobody really understands what they got going on. And especially it happening two, two weeks in a row. Seems kind of interesting. You know, we don't, I don't know, you know, does it start to concern you or, I mean, is it, obviously it's just them right now, but do you start to wonder, okay, if they're, you know, oh man, did they order a new MSD box and it's failing them? Or, you know, do you guys start to wonder about that stuff too? Does it start to wear on you? Well, you know, um, not really because, you know, we, we kind of asked them and, you know, what, what were y'all having a problem with? Cause maybe, you know, like you're saying, maybe it's a new, a new ignition box that has a failure or something. We would like to know that, but right. they kind of gave us the, you know, I don't know what's wrong with this kind of thing. So gotcha. we're not sure what they got going on. So that's going to be maybe, something we're going to have to figure Maybe out. it's an ignition box that they're being creative with. Yeah. And they don't want anybody to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to point fingers, but I don't know. Yeah. It makes, makes you wonder. Yes, for sure. Matt, uh, yeah. uh, one of the, one of the last questions I have for you and then we'll let you go. Green jacket last year, now all American 400, you know, as Rich said, you're, you're becoming known now for winning super late model races, but Nashville fairground speedway, all of a sudden really uh, a track that you're taking a liking to what is about that track that makes you so good? I don't know, really, you know, I'm, from the first time I went there, I was like, man, this place is, this place is pretty cool. I really like the high speed, you know, Nashville's really a pretty fast track for us. You know, um, I think, you know, if a rhythm racetrack, you kind of got to hit your line just right every lap. I don't know. It just really suits my driving style, and I enjoy racing there, and I feel comfortable there, and, you know, I don't know. It just kind of fits my driving style, I guess. Now, Matt, on this show, I'm no, I'm known as the gambler between Zach and I, so give me a reason to pick you down at the Snowball Derby. A reason to pick at the Snowball Derby. Maybe yeah, because pick you. why should I bet? Why should I put my money on Matt Craig? Maybe because he's an All American 400 champion. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty good. I think the same, the same thing. Like, if your car is working good at Nashville, you know, you got that good drive off the corner and turns good in the middle. You know, that same kind of thing translate translates to uh, five flags. You got to have those same kind of things going on. So I don't see a reason why a car won't be good down there. Matt, it was a lot of fun to watch yesterday. Uh, you were you, you led the first eight laps and then were quiet, as we mentioned, through the rest of the race, but you were there when it mattered. Uh, congratulations on becoming an All-American 400 champion, and good luck down at the uh, Snowball Derby. 
Thank you very much. So, All-American 400 is behind us. Really had a lot of fun. Uh, our thanks, of course, to uh, Track Enterprises and Bob Sargent and everybody that was involved in putting that on. Thanks to Scott Menlin, of course, who you know pays the bills for this program, but also generally manages, as we like to pick on him, uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway. Really want to thank everybody for welcoming us, uh, Adam Mackey and the Speed 51 crew as well. It was a lot of fun to work with them this weekend. And, um, man, already the 2021 season, uh, as far as behind the microphone, we think, is over for us. Yeah, but before we go to another racetrack, we actually have a break, right, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we, we get about I, a month to think about this one. I'm going to enjoy the next month. It'll be, it'll be nice. Um, I, don't, I don't have to do anything because I think my golf future is suspect from now on uh, with the temperatures and the weather. Yeah, coming. I hear you. So, so this might just be a month to enjoy and relax. How about that? Well, you know, I don't think a lot of people are ready to relax. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of folks are getting excited about what's to come. 2022 schedules are being released. We told you about the World of Outlaws. Uh, they've released their full schedule. And uh, other things happening around us, Rich, key dates for your 2022 calendar are being dropped all across the board. Yeah, Zach, let's start out. Let's look at Kalamazoo Speedway. They released a tentative schedule uh, this week. Uh, as, as tradition on April 29th, the Intimidator 100 will kick off the 2022 season. Then, uh, March 13th, Mod Wars for the Midwest Modifieds Tour. They will make their trip to Kalamazoo Speedway. And then Memorial Day weekend, 527 and 28, American Speed U.S. Nationals, the must-see wing sprint cars will be at the Kalamazoo Speedway. Wing sprints on the Kalamazoo, that is awesome. You don't want to miss that. And then a couple other dates uh, of note on July 16th. They moved it up a couple of weeks, Zach. The Kalamazoo Clash 30, and then they moved the Super Shoe 35. Looks like they moved that up a week as well, September 23rd through 25th. And another thing, too, I do want to mention while we're talking about uh, Super Late Model Racing, this was just announced, uh, let me see here, a couple of days ago, the Reveal the Hammer series, first off, Good news, they're putting out dates, so that means they will return for a sophomore season of Outlaw Super Late Model Racing. Happy to see that. Uh, let's mark Lorraine County Raceway Park on the events places to go. June 25th, it's the Hammerdown 100 Trucker Appreciation Night, and that's going to be at Lorraine Raceway Park down in uh, Amherst, Ohio, and uh, that could be a really good one. I like that uh, Reveal is kind of branching out a little bit to get some races for these outlaw cars. Yep, Zach, and speaking of them, Berlin announced their Reveal the Hammer dates uh, this for next season as well. It'll be May 14th and August 27th, so Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Models will, will return to the Berlin Raceway, uh, as will the Arkham Menard Series, Zach, uh, on June 18th. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series will pay their visit to Berlin. Also, other dates on the Berlin schedule: uh, Super Modified Zach on pavement uh, are back at are back at uh, the Berlin Raceway. That's July fifteenth and sixteenth for a two day show. Then on August tenth, the Battle at Berlin one fifty thirty thousand dollars to win for the Template Late Models. And uh, if we back up just a little bit, June sixth, the Money in the Bank 
we'll be back at Berlin as well. Yeah, that's a great schedule too. And uh, I know that there's uh, there's always excitement around that racetrack on the west coast of Michigan over there in Marne. Uh, they got a lot of fun things happening. They're a party racetrack now. They've got the bar. They've got the stage. And, oh, by the way, they've got the racetrack as well. Any other dates that you've got uh, that you've seen that have popped up? Yeah, so just uh, just today or yesterday, I know we've been busy. It's hard the, the day starts. It's hard to kind of keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flat Rock Speedway announced their season opener will be May May seventh, and uh, they're going to do what was very successful for them in twenty twenty one. Every Saturday through the month of May, four p.m. start time at Flat Rock Speedway. So anybody who wants to uh, make the trip, uh, you can get there and you can be home at a very decent time and you don't have to sit out in the cold on those cool May evenings here in Michigan. That's a cool thing that they started doing this year and I really do think that uh, is pretty smart. I like it and uh, I think we'll start to see some other racetracks follow that suit. So there you go. There's some couple of dates to put on your calendar for 2022. I can tell you Horsepower Happenings is putting them on their calendar as things go because uh, we're going to have some exciting things in the works. More details to come for 2022 but I really think you're going to want to stay tuned to what we have going on hey speak- that's pretty bad when we can't even tease it well we can't no we can't but the thing is i'm teasing it for other members of our organization who are probably oh. gonna listen and go what is he up to <laughs> yeah. hey uh speaking of being really busy and teasing not only were we a week late with it we also uh should probably make sure that we talk about gary did you know And here's the thing about Gary, did you know this week? Now, with the excitement of the All-American 400, you may notice... Now, wait a minute. I didn't see the graphic posted on your Facebook page, boys. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Skip over the next five minutes of the show if you don't want to hear the answers. Does that work? Because we're going to give the answers because people listen to the show probably want to know what the answers were. But if you like to guess, just skip over the next five minutes. There's your yeah, that's war- what the fast forward buttons are there, for. There's right? your there's yeah. your there's your DVR warning. Like if you're listening to morning radio and they're getting ready to give the results of Monday Night Football, and you said no 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 no, I DVR'd it at home. There's your warning. Rich, how about we talk about Gary? Did you know? All right, Zach. We'll go to question number one, and I I, I like this one. I like this one. I thought it was funny, uh, and it makes sense. So question number one from last week: Why did this sprint car driver have dice on his wing, and how many? I was way well, out, I, I was way out of this one, but I love the answer. The answer is because the driver's name is Jesse Fordice. Fordice, <laughs> get it? You got to play in. You've got to play into the name. You know <laughs> exactly. So I thought I actually thought I never heard of Jess, so I don't know. But I I sure thought it was cool. It makes sense to me. So let's go to question number two. Zach. Let's do it. Who were the drivers in this Mark Times headline? Moose beats DeBear. It's over my head. Over your head? The answer, Moose Myers and Pete Bear. I like Those it. Those were the answers. I like I it, knew, though. I knew Moose Myers. I watched him race when I was a kid. Pete De, Pete Bear, I did not know. All right. So, all right, let's go to question number three. What track, and we talked about this. You thought it was something else. What track had a race called the De-Icer? Now, I thought... When I, we did this last week, I thought that I, I had I had a couple of tracks crossed. Remember, I, I said, oh, I like the, that that's where it came from. I was mixing it up with another track. Right, and you thought, oh, don't they call it something else now? Well, no, it is the same track. It's just a, an event that happened a little bit later, and that's happened at the Sandusky Speedway. 
All right. Okay. Very good. All right. And our final question is the final question. Final one. Final one. Question number four. What driver won the first race at MIS and what was unique about it? This is actually now Gary said you can probably find this if you Google it, but you have to be careful because when you Google it, it wants to give you the first NASCAR race winner at MIS. But Rich, it wasn't a NASCAR sanctioned event. No, nope, this is a this is the first race winner of any event at uh, Michigan International Speedway, and the answer was Ronnie Bucknam. And the reason it was so unique is because it was his only ever win in a Champ Car in USAC. And also How unique, about that? also unique that it was a USAC race held at MIS. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I do remember when I was younger, they used to have, uh, you know, CART used to have a couple races there every year. And so they, they would alternate. I think in in June, they would have the cup race. July, they'd have a CART race. August, they'd have a cup race. And they and they alternated. So they had four events. But uh, I think this was actually below my, t- my time. I was uh, very young, and I don't remember this at all. Well, Rich, that's going to do it for Gary. Did you know uh, we appreciate those who, uh, who who participate in that every week? We will get a graphic on this week if you'd like to play. If you didn't hear the segment or if you are one of those, uh, it's it's safe to come back now. If you scrubbed ahead, this is your marker. You can come back to the show. Everything is safe. And nobody nobody gets to cheat and win prizes by listening yeah. to the show and then go putting their, <laughs> their answers in, okay? Because I know nobody's going to get all Yes. If you're honest about it, it would be very difficult to get all four of these. So no listening to the show and then going to the post and putting all the answers in. Now we should get back on schedule. That means Gary, did you know, will be coming up again uh, very quickly. Uh, as a matter of fact, Rich, what are we looking at here? Two weeks? Yeah, it looks like two weeks from now we're going to have Gary back on. So we'll have to let him know that uh, we were... We felt bad we were slacking on him. We've had so much going the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's been just crazy. Rich, it's to the part of the show where we would normally tell you what is upcoming in your area to get your backside, trackside, and for the first time in a long time, this section of our calendar is blank. Pretty much so. That's why we spent so much time on, on the releases that we had, but uh, turkey and stuffing is coming up on our calendar pretty soon. <sighs> That I can live with. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Pie, you ready? Yes. I'm ready for that time of year. That's one of my favorites. Um, I do know that a lot of people are getting excited. Tickets are on sale now for the uh, the Gateway Dirt Nationals there in uh, St. Louis. That's coming up very soon. We'll talk about that coming up next month. Also, the Rumble in Fort Wayne is coming up. We'll talk about that as that gets closer. Uh, Larry Boost just finished up a nice season at Montpelier. Nice job by them. Uh, what to look forward to, folks. Keep an eye on Horsepower Happenings. We are going to bring back the uh, challenges that we had over last winter, but we're going to morph them a little bit. Look for them to start soon. They will no longer be they will no longer be the best driver challenge. Uh, they'll have a little bit of a change to them. Also, keep an eye on what we're doing because we're going to bring some really cool contests to HorsepowerHappenings.com that I think folks are really going to want to be a part of. And uh, then, of course, the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Banquet is coming up, too. So it's going to be a busy offseason. And I know hold the Snowball Derby for our pavement fans. The offseason is now officially underway here in Michigan for uh, for all the drivers and racers. So uh, get them tore down, get them put back together. And uh, we're going to stay right here with you all through the offseason, talking with some great industry professionals, race car drivers, promoters, and that sort of thing to uh, get us through the long winter. Zach, I think this is the point of the season where everybody looks forward to the winter. Um, it's 
when it's end of February, beginning of March, I think everybody, that's when it gets to the point where, all right, we've had enough of winter. We're ready for race season to start. But I think right now, I think it's uh, well taken, and I think everybody deserves it. It's been uh, everybody it's take been a, a break. long season. Everybody yeah. take a timeout. We'll be back. <laughs> been, just, a, been a long season. Yes, it has. Looking forward to getting into it. Same time, same place next week. You know where to find us, horsepowerhappenings.com, Spotify, Google Music, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. We are there. Horsepower Happenings. Thanks so much to Rich France, our co-host, my co-host, Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, myself, Zach Heiser, with you here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.